0: first film i didn't get it in writing and then the whole thing changed and they changed the actress, and then i wasn't a part of it and i didn't know why and it was a huge fiasco and i was just like i should have listened to my dad my dad was like just make sure they give you in writing and they just kept saying come come we'll do the contract don't worry you know but but it's something that's really that i've learned and i've just made sure however you know anal i sound or however like particular I sound about who I needed in writing I don't really care because ultimately you're the one going to be suffering if you don't suffer that initial bit and get your contract done they literally need this much to make them happy they just need a hug, they need some food, they need you to dance with them and and they're fine you know and that's the simplicity of someone with special needs like someone with with uh, someone who who has something wrong with their brain or development or behavior.
1: Hello friends. Welcome to the Naren Agarwal show. Today's show is going to be something that you guys are looking forward to. And here's the reason why. I have somebody super unique on board. She is a multi-talented. She is a South Indian film actress. She is an amazing musician. And she's also had some special appearances in movies because of her music, along with her acting. Lastly, she does something out of her heart. She's passionate and she is a special educator. I cannot wait to bring Miss Madhuri Braganza on board. Madhuri, how are you doing?
0: Oh, thank you very much, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Nareen. Thank you so much for having me. It's so awesome. Oh, oh, I'm
1: delighted to begin our conversation.
0: (laughs) Yeah, looking Uh, forward to this
1: conversation. (laughs) So... Firstly, how is it different being on this camera versus a camera at the movie sets? How is it different?
0: Oh, it's very different. Because when you're being shot in a film, there are like 200 people on set. <laughs> it's like It's it's a lot of people. Because there are like people in art direction and then there are people holding reflectors and there are people for camera, there's people for makeup, there's people for styling, you know, people who put pins on your clothes when it's like, there are just a lot of people. And there, I mean, it's a, it's obviously a team effort, right? So but you have to just, when you look into the camera, you just have to pretend like nobody's there. <laughs> so that's the, wow. that's the difference. Here is just the two of us and it's COVID <laughs> times and hence social distancing and nobody's around me right now. But yeah.
1: <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. So wait, that is actually crazy. When, when you tell me 200 people around and you're shooting, everybody's looking at you, but you yeah. got to act like nobody's there. How do you do that?
0: Yeah, especially if it's a scene which has people in the background and stuff, then there's just a lot of people, right? And and, and you know, people are watching you, unless they're in the frame, you know, people are kind of watching you and, you know, totally scrutinizing your performance, <laughs> but, uh, but you get used to it. I think the first time I shot was um, this is small, it was a, it was a cameo in, uh, in a Malayalam film and it was just in an apartment and there were only about 20 people, 25 people and um, they were prompting me with my lines and I was, you know, it was all fine. I didn't feel uh, too overwhelmed. But then later on, when you do bigger uh, projects with bigger sets, you kind of uh, tend to, you know, you're like, okay, so, wow, like, maybe I should just act like these people aren't here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's uh, it's fun. It's fun. You kind of get more comfortable in your skin. And you tend to just uh, because if you're constantly being something that you're not it's a tiring life (laughs) and you kind of, uh, you just, you just tend to, you know, be more authentic and because you're constantly in the public eye and then later on you, if you're on social media or if you're, um, you know, if you're just walking on the road sometimes and there's a fan or someone or follower, then they'll come and want to take a picture and you just need to be able to chill and not, you know, be like, oh my God, oh my God, like am I being watched? Uh, (laughs) Like you just have to be careful but be chill. (laughs) Like otherwise, it, it gets a bit, yeah you
1: get you get comfortable with uh, being watched and all that attention um, as as time yes. passes you get used to it
0: you you definitely get used to it yeah like you do get a bit uh, wary where it, when it comes to you know who you're with and like you know will this picture like if somebody takes a picture of me will it like randomly get released on the internet like you you think about things like that i mean obviously i'm not such a big actor where you know i i'm constantly surrounded by people who want who who know me but it's like even when you like supposing in in Bangalore, right there's this area called kormangla which um, has a lot of malayalis i don't know why i should find out why but um they every time i go there i get recognized by you know a malayali who's watched uh, watch my film or who's who's just who knows me or follows me on instagram and and yeah and they've come up to me when when i have a beer in my hand and i'm like you know chilling like at a pub or something like with friends and, and they're like oh Chi or a selfie and i'm like oh, oh my god just without the because <laughs> you know they <laughs> tend to have this image of you when they see you on screen oh, and then yes. yeah and then like you're nowhere like that in person and they're like oh my god my dreams have been destroyed you know it's like who is this person i do not know <laughs> but, but yeah so. oh that's
1: such an interesting point like imagine if <laughs> You have this very serene and calm person role. Somebody who's very obedient, goes by the rules, and yeah. you're caught at a bar or a pub on the yeah. streets. It's really a mind shift for the person it's, watching. It's, yeah, you.
0: it's like a culture shock where they're like, "What? She drinks? Like, uh, well, no shit, Sherlock. I do, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's just a it's it's you you get used to it. Honestly, it, it develops. You you develop this thicker skin. I keep telling everyone this because. They're like, how do you deal with all the negative comments? How do you deal with it? How do you? I'm just like you. You tend to not give importance to things that don't really matter or shape your career. Like it's it's fine, you know. The more importance you or the more attention you give something, the more important it becomes. So yeah, I just it's fine, you know. It's it's okay to be yourself, and if people don't accept you for who you are, then good riddance. (laughs) <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh,
1: what you said mm-hmm. reminds me of a of a line. It says, "Um, and en- focus. Energy flows where focus goes." You know. So what you exactly. focus on, that's where the energy
0: will flow. Exactly. What you said, I, I can yeah. truly resonate with that. Yeah, like earlier on, when we were speaking earlier, we were talking about that wheel of life thing, and it, it talks about how the brain just goes in the direction in which you're doing well already, right? Like, it, like for for me right now, health and fitness is going well. And my brain constantly wants to do that more. And I'm like, hey, let's focus on things that we need to do better at. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I know what you mean.
1: So, wow. So, Madhuri, when you're selecting a movie, when you're yeah. deciding to go for a movie and accepting a role, what what goes yeah. on through your mind? What what stuff of what stuff do you consider before selecting and oh, saying yes yeah. to movie? What's yeah. what does that process look like?
0: So um, actually, that's a very good question uh, because it's m- like my requirements and what I look at has evolved over time. So I'll tell you what I used to and what I now consider. So earlier, I used to consider, okay, like is the person that um, I'm acting with someone who is you know famous who will get a lot of views and who, you know, if I share screen with this person, will I get that traction and stuff like that. Then I used to think about the budget, of course. And um, thirdly, I used to think about, uh, okay, like, is this a language I know, can I be comfortable, things like that. But now when I when I get offered a film, um, I, the first thing I look at is the script. Because I've seen that, you know, whoever's in the film, if it's a good script and if it is a good story that people can relate to, or which is entertaining, then people will watch it, you know, like through word of mouth, especially now because of online portals and, you know, OTT platforms, it's just so common for people to just watch niche films and films that they've just heard about from someone else. So they haven't, you know, it's not advertised all over the place and it's not like really known faces. So yeah, script is one thing I look at. The second thing is if it's a performance oriented role or not, because then I don't want to just do like this, you know, sugar dumpling, it's a love story. Let's run around trees and be happy and make a family because it's just, uh, it just does not do anything for me. Like, because I, i rather portray, you know, my entire repertoire of what I can do uh, on set or in front of the camera, which is what is, what help. like it helps you get your next project because if if a director can see, okay, she can do this, she can do this, she can do this then you know he knows what he's up uh, for or rather what he's kind of going to be working with and how directable you are you know so that's the second thing and the third thing is the production banner and who's doing it because if it's not a good production team then there can be a lot of glitches like they can they can you know uh, go for a, a cinematographer who's not as uh, who who charges less but may not be as good you know with his work um also they can kind of uh, compromise on the stay and the food and things like that that you are you know going to be given on set and uh, i feel like it's important to be in a good you know in a good environment especially being a being a girl because it's predominantly male for, for some reason films are just predominantly male or maybe that's just a population statistic i don't know but um, but it's important because the first time that i shot a lead role I was the only girl on set there were a hundred plus male people I was the only girl and wow. and I usually go to my uh, sets without anyone like some people kind of they they go with a parent or with a manager or with someone but so far I've been going alone um until I do have a personal manager right now I just have agents that represent me I don't have a personal manager so um, if I do ever reach that point, <laughs> then I'll, um, you know, have have someone with me. But it was really crazy because I had to go to Kerala for the shoot. And when I went there, they were like, yeah, okay, so this is going to take about a week and all of that. And I was like, yeah. And, and there was no one who was female, including the costume guy, who's going to put my sari for me, was a male. <laughs> I was just like, hey, you know, I don't yeah. think any of you thought this through. And I just spoke to the assistant director and I was like, uh, because I was a bit freaked out at first, but also it was just me being apprehensive and kind of aware because I'm very professional on set and I don't, uh, because I go alone, I, I'm there for the work and absolutely nothing else. And I want to make that known to everyone, you know? So so I spoke to the assistant director and I said, uh, can, you know, there are absolutely no females. And um, I think it's important for me to kind of have uh, some someone of the same gender Um, and then then is when it hit them they didn't hit them till then
1: That is, And,
0: and then they were like oh my god we're so sorry you know and like the next day there were like eight women on set like two were helping with hair and two one one or two were helping with costumes and a couple of them were helping me with my dance moves and so it it does make a huge difference if you just kind of you're with a good team, a professional team, and also someone who you can you know kind of communicate with and and you know who'll take that constructive criticism. Some people usually when it's an actor who says something, they do take it seriously. But um, when the team is just treating everyone nicely, I think it makes a huge difference. So these are the three things that I kind of uh, look at now. Yeah,
1: that's that's a pretty cool. Uh, I would say. Uh, evolution and I, th- I can yeah. see like you know um, you can you can almost capture your own growth when when you answer yeah. that question yeah. and that's pretty awesome that's pretty awesome I got to learn something out of it Wh- oh, yeah. why do you think is the film industry um, in general I would say even Bollywood and other film industries in India uh, why are they so male dominant and what do you think um, are the pros and cons of that how can we how can we evolve that and make uh, make it more inclusive
0: you know, I think uh, I have thought about this before a long time ago. Uh, and I, I felt like maybe women uh, find that there's so many men around that they find it uncomfortable. That is one thing that I thought about. And hence, there are even less women that actually apply for these jobs. But at the same time, um, I feel like it also may be something to do with timings of shoot schedules and things like that. Like it's difficult for a girl to travel all by herself to work and back, you know, when when it's in the night, if it's a night shoot, things like that. Um, also, when it comes to uh, lifting equipment and, you know, climbing up on things and tying things here and there, it's just usually males who are kind of doing these things. You know, a lot of construction work and um, there are, like when you look at building construction, I'm sure, you know, the so male-female ratio is pretty, you know, yes. Uh, equal. Yes. But when it comes to films, that's a very valid point. I don't see why it should be male-dominant, but It just is because I I feel like each person will call a friend or each person will call their troupe and kind of just, you know, it it, kind of snowballs. And also I feel directors wise and cinematographer wise, I just hardly know any female cinematographers and directors. It's just, it's just something to really think about maybe and find out why. Because when it comes to female writers, um... They also try to make like, there are some troops which are female dominant. Like I've done a couple of ads and you know, yeah, I've forgotten the name, but uh, good production houses, which are female oriented, you know, uh, predominantly female and they make some really cool stuff, you know, so, and the other day I was reading uh, this this article about how all the countries who are kind of headed by women have the least COVID cases, and they know, they know how to like you know keep stuff at bay. Uh, but yeah, maybe we should uh, start this campaign, like you know, a Nareen and Madhuri campaign, where we're like, hey, where them women at? You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I wonder. I really wonder. Yeah.
1: I, I and I and I feel like you know, if there's more women in the in the film industry, we we hear more stories about them and yeah. and the way the way a woman looks at the world is very different like you said you we were in a set and there was no women yeah. and the guys never thought about that and i think that could bring us so much more value in the stories we are showing to our societies through films for sure, um,
0: for sure. Yeah. and it's also even um, you know when you think about the fact that in a in a film the the female actor is such a huge part of it you know like They'll, they'll promote the film with the, with the actress's name or like they'll, you know, it, it just becomes like everybody wants to know so who's the woman in it or like who's the f- actress in it and that way, acting wise, I think women do have a big role to play but when it comes to actually making a film, I, I really wish that we could have more women. Yeah. But yeah. That's, that's pretty that's cool. Thing. Maybe it's an Indian thing. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. and yeah. We should check. We should find out. I yeah. don't want to create any you
1: know, <laughs> biased, <laughs> but yeah. Wow. So, Ma Madhuri, I know being in the South Indian film industry, uh, there's multiple languages. Mainly four languages at play. How many languages do you know? How many languages do you speak? Um, tell tell um, us a little bit about that.
0: So, I have grown up without a mother tongue, and I'm like, I hate that term because everyone, when I grow up, they're like, "So, what's a mother tongue?" And I'm like. So does this mean the language I'm supposed to speak or the language that my mother speaks or my father <laughs> speaks? Is it a father tongue? Like what? what? So I'm just like, yeah, I speak English at home, but my mother tongue is supposed to be Konkani or something. I think, I don't know. Because I'm like an amalgamation of a lot. Like I'm wow. half Mangalorean and I'm half Goan. Actually, small percentage Goan and a little bit, like there are ancestors from all over the place. Wow. But at home we speak english so for the last like every i mean for, for my whole life i've spoken english at home so uh, but luckily in school i did second language kannada and third language hindi so i know how to read and write both those languages properly <laughs> but wow. um, but my spe- speaking with hindi is, isn't very good because we never speak it in bangalore like we literally never need to correct excuse me like with um when it comes to public transport we speak in canada when it comes to say our help at home i speak canada sometimes tamil i i, I don't know for some reason i'm i know tamil as well um i think because my my close friends are tamilian my aunt is Tamilian. my my book is Tamilian. My, i just know a lot of Tamilian. People. that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah i have just learned the language of like it's weird that i started with Mal- malayalam cinema when i know Tamil so much better, but um, and then Malayalam came after Tamil because you you have similar nuances in both the languages. Um, so I picked up Malayalam, but I, I have to practice Malayalam. It's a really difficult language. Uh, you know, sorry to all the Malayali Malayalis who are listening, but it's it's true. You know, it's a tough language. It's um, a lot like Sanskrit, and it's a lot it's a lot of rolling of the tongue. When I'm in Kerala. People speak it and I just learn it and I just speak it, you know, because nobody is speaking in English. But here, it's just, no, I'm not practicing it at all. Like tonight, I need to uh, go go live and I need to speak some. So I need to brush up and be like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And that then Telugu, the I don't crazy. really know. But yeah, so basically English, Tamil, Kannada, uh, Malayalam a little bit, Hindi a little bit, Telugu a few lines. French I learned in um, in 11th and 12th grade, but not, I don't know how to speak it. You, you sound like a
1: genius, dude.
0: That is no, absolutely crazy. It's part of the job. So yeah. you Whoa, tend to kind of
1: That's a tough job to have then. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's,
0: it's, uh, it, it works with languages kind of work with a different part of your brain. So it's nice to, it's nice to learn. Like I have a friend, a close friend of mine who's just learning German right now on, online. And another friend who's learning Japanese and who's moving to Japan. And it's pretty cool how global things are becoming. So, yeah.
1: So talking about brain health and, you know, brain functioning. When you're on set, you're to remember a lot of lines. One, you got to work on languages. The second thing is memorization. Yeah. So what stuff do you do to memorize better? Because I read it can be very irritating if the actor
0: keeps forgetting the lines for everybody yeah. who's waiting and shooting. How, yeah. how, what do you do to memorize stuff? Okay. So first of all, I love things like Sudoku and I like crosswords and I like, you know, these online games. Um, I I like things that kind of challenge your brain a little bit and I do them uh, on and off whenever I have time, like before going to bed or, um, and I actually have a feeling that that does help my memory because my memory never used to be that good, but it's become a little better. So, and also I think when you practice, because I've done a lot of TV commercials and things like that. So when you practice uh, scripts, you have to do it in different ways, you know, like two or three different renditions of the same lines. So you have to really know your lines at the tip of your fingers, like at the back of your palm or whatever, whatever that phrase is. Like it's just, you need to know it so well that you can do it with different expressions each time. And I think practicing, uh, practicing learning dialogues has helped me with my memory a lot. Like um, I do need to be prompted sometimes, to be honest, on set. Because I'd rather not be like, oh, how does that line start? And then, you know, when you're thinking, you can like, you can tell. If you look at an actor, you can tell if they're thinking about the line or what they have to say or if they're actually in the situation and they're being impulsive and reacting. in. you can tell the difference, mm-hmm. right, on their face. So I do need prompters sometimes and um, because I don't want to compromise on my uh, performance. So if I have a prompter who just starts the line for me, then I'm fine, you know. So because I go through the script. Uh, I remember the uh, the first film that I was supposed to do, which was called Joseph, uh, which didn't—I ha- mean, sorry, not Joseph. Which was called Charlie. I don't know why I said Joseph. Joseph happened, guys. It was really good. <laughs> but Charlie was a film that I was supposed to do uh, alongside um, uh, Dulkar Salman, who is this superstar Malayalam uh, actor. And he um, had not come to set yet, and I was supposed to start shooting for them. And I was learning dialogues, and this was the first time that I was actually learning Malayalam dialogues. And I had a proper translator with me and we would just sit in my hotel room and we would just learn for hours and it got tiring to a point where i'd like even before going to bed i'd like feel like writing it down on my pillow and like you know just like oh, i I'd, I'd literally because it was so hard and then i realized later it's better to do your dialogues each scene at a time or like each say half a day at a time instead of by having the whole day's dialogues. And then like in the morning, you have so much shit in your head. And you're like, okay, right now I just need to remember like the first three lines. So let's master that, you know. So now I've started doing that. Like I just learned the first few di- first few scenes of the day. And I'm fine. Like I don't want to stress myself out, you know. Especially because you'll like, sometimes it's so funny. Because I, yeah, I'm sure you wouldn't have heard somebody explain this to you. But like, sometimes I'll, I'll know the line really well. I'll practice it and I'll say it. And they'll be the director will be like, okay, can you change this part? Can you just say this part a little softer? Or can you just like move your head when you say this? Blah blah blah. So then you'll finally they'll get the perfect take after like three or four days, Maybe they'll get a perfect take. And in that perfect take, like a cow or something would have walked in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, Dude, just only in India, <laughs> you know? Like you, like you would have just it. It would have been the best take of your life, and some coconut will fall. Or something, some reflector will fall or some water will be leaking somewhere. Yes, like it just happens. And then you're like, okay, it's fine. You know, this is this is just the nature of the business and you have to keep things like that. So now I'm just like, yeah, okay, I'll read the line. Tell me the line. Okay, let's do the line. And then, you know, you know that you have a couple of chances to wow. master your line. So I don't stress out too much about memorizing my lines. I'm like, yeah.
1: It'll That's yeah. hilarious. Uh, what's the longest number of retakes you've ever had to do? Like, how, does it get irritating a lot when it comes to retakes? Like again and again, trying to
0: put yeah, that emotion yeah. again and again. Tell us a little bit about
1: that journey. Yeah,
0: that, uh, that, that can be really frustrating. So I, I usually touch wood. I've not had too many experiences, but I've had like a crazy number of retakes. I, I, what I do is I understand the, the situation around the scene and my relationship with the people who i'm sharing that screen space with and then you kind of when you know the mannerisms and when you know the relationship involved then you kind of you're fine whether the line comes out right or not it's fine you know you're uh, so that way two or three takes has been like a maximum but there was this one time in when i was shooting in china okay for a song for a song and i am not the world's greatest dancer <laughs> That's just, Let's just put it lightly there. So I was like practicing this dance move and I wasn't getting it. And I was, and they did like a few takes and then they were like, fine, let's just shoot something else and come back to that. Then we went to the other part where I had to do, uh, I had to lip sync with the song that's playing and I had to do this, this uh, like just this movement walking towards my son. And it took 13 takes. So- and I don't know why. I really don't know why because what happened was like I was getting a different input from the co-actor I was getting a different input from the director and I was getting a different input from the cinematographer like the cinematographer was like I need you to show me this angle this angle is looking better the director was like you know I need you to walk like this and do this and the actors like you know this should be on your face so when you're doing it you're like oh whoa, whoa, I have to remember so many things and it's just like, See, like it's just confusing it's right true. so yeah. after a point like after the 12, so 11th take or something I went to the director and I was like listen I, I got a bit annoyed okay I'm like listen I honestly do not know what you want like yeah. <laughs> tell me what you want and I don't want anybody else to tell me anything so I, I told the cinematographer you move your camera according to the angle I am not moving my body and like you know I was it was quite a diva moment where I was like I'm just going to do it <laughs> my own I'm right? like, yeah. And then I, I told I told my co-actor as well. I was like, please, let me just, you know, do it the way the director wants it. And you can discuss with the director. And finally, like on the 13th take, they got it. And I was like,
1: wow. Oh God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I the bet the that's possibly, emotionally too exhausting. Many,
0: too many cooks spoil the broth, right? You should just, if it's just the director and the assistant director, that's more than enough, I feel, to kind of know what you have to do. Because. That's what ultimately matters, right? What translates yeah. on screen is what the director wants.
1: So yeah, I, I believe you. It's like so tough to re, uh, re bring up that emotion again and again, that expression again and again. And yeah. after a so while, it starts getting fading. It exactly, starts fading away.
0: Fading, exactly. Sometimes you just need to stop that scene and do another scene, you know, to come back and get it right. Because you just like go deeper and deeper into the wrong direction, and you're like, I need to take a U turn and just you know start again. Yeah, so. That that yeah, you brought back some the memories there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, where where all have you shot, and which has been your favorite location of shooting so far? Uh,
0: I haven't I haven't gone to like too many places, um, but I think China would definitely come under because it was it was very uh, different, you know. Like it was uh, it was it, it was it was intriguing to see how Indians and Chinese, like first of all, Malayalis. So Malayalam is like the Indian's hardest language and Mandarin is like the world's hardest language. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like two of these people communicating (laughs) with each other and it's just like, oh my God, and that one middle person who needs to know like Mandarin and Malayalam, I'm like, you are a godsend, my friend. (laughs) And you know, it's just like, it gets super fun to watch this as an actor. You're like, so there's a choreography going on, and they're like Chinese kids, and the Indian kids, and like you know, both have to both have to listen to different choreographers, and those choreographers have to listen to each other and say the same thing. Oh, good lord! So that way, it was like a really, it was very cool to watch. Um, but Chinese people are so efficient, like so efficient. They before the scene, like twenty minutes before the scene, they already know the steps. The steps. I'm I'm like. How did that happen? You know, we, wow. she, like, we would have just told the choreographer and the choreographer just learn it and she'd quickly teach them and they're done. No wonder uh, everything that we use is, you know, made in China. <laughs> <Just> super efficient <laughs> people. And we shot in this like um, very, it was like a film city kind of a place uh, um, in the outskirts of Shanghai. And it was, it was beautiful. It was really beautiful. And the weather was like slightly drizzly and cloudy. And it was just, it was really nice. And the food, oh, I love Chinese food, like authentic Chinese oh. food. So I had yes. the best time during that shoot. It was for, it was with uh, the superstar Mohanlal. Uh, so I shot with him and yeah, I it was, it was awesome. Yeah.
1: That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, with acting, I got a question. When you go on set, how do you maintain professionalism? What are some stuff that you do? I want you to hit back upon it. And also stuff like, you know, controversial stuff that we hear about the industry, like casting couch, et cetera. Does that exist? Uh, is that true for the South Indian movie industry or not? What's your experience of that and uh, directors taking advantage of actresses? Have you seen such things happen? Yeah, yeah.
0: So uh, when it comes to professionalism, um, one thing that I've learned is everything has to be in writing. Everything. (laughs) From like, when your advance payments happen, when your completion of your payments happen, when when the project starts, when the project ends, which are the days we're shooting, which, you know, what role you're playing, like everything has to be written down, you know, on a proper contract. Because for my first film, I didn't get it in writing and then the whole thing changed and they changed the actress and then I wasn't a part of it and I didn't know why and it was a huge fiasco. <laughs> and I was just like, I should have listened to my dad. My dad was like, just make sure they give to you in writing. And they just kept saying, come, come, we'll do the contract. Don't worry, you know, but, but it's something that's really, that I've learned and and I've just made sure. However, you know, anal I sound or however, like particular I sound about, oh, I needed in writing. I don't really care because ultimately you're the one going to be suffering. If you don't suffer that initial bit and get your contract done. So that's, that's one thing about professionalism. The second thing is like, I was saying, you just have to, like, I, I make sure that I'm very, um, Skirt, not curt, but like very direct uh, with with what I want uh, on set and how I'm uh, treated and you know like the women on set and things like that and just I need to be comfortable to be able to act well to be able to perform well. If you're not comfortable, it's going to show on your face, you know. So yeah, um, that um, another thing about professionalism. I think when you're a woman, uh, everyone looks at you as some kind of eye candy or like some kind of you know like, like you know she's oh and then like getting your makeup done and like if it's in a if it's in a public place if you're shooting on a road for example they'll just create this canopy and just do your makeup right there right because you just we have to move from one place to the other so then a lot of people kind of stare and this and that so um to be professional i think it's important to tell people okay listen this is like my space and you know uh just just make sure that nobody enters this area and like because it can get a bit too like too personal when people are like you know just coming and randomly taking selfies especially when you're eating if there's a break between right. sets and you know people just come and just constantly want pictures and you're just like I want to just eat and relax and think about my next scene you know so I think it, it a lot of how a film turns out is uh, how the mindset of the actors and the director and every everyone is, you know, like the final product, you will know that it was a good team if, if it's a good film, you know, and if it's a shitty film, you're going to know that it was a shit show, even, you know, backstage or behind the scenes. So that's that. Um, when it comes to uh, casting couch, 100% it does exist. Um, I have got calls, I've got messages, I've got people saying, you know, We will offer you this much payment for this role. And as long as you're willing to compromise and all this rubbish. And I'm like, you know, I will just act like I don't know what they're talking about. I'll be like, what do you mean by compromise? Pray tell, please, you know. And then they'll be like, no, you know how it is, right? Like the producer will want one night or this. And I'm just like, don't ever contact me again. Ever, you know, because they need to know how against it you are. Not that you're just against it. And yes. I, I, I for one, I'm crazy against it. For I'm just like, dude, this like acting and this work that I do is just one of my jobs, and it's not something that I'm doing for anything else. It's work. I'm adding value to your set. You are adding value to my resume, and this is work. And ultimately, this project is going to be ours, and we're a team. And this is work. And my special education and my other things that I do is work. So you can't look at it as anything else. And people tend to find that a bit like, okay, why is she being so professional? Why is she being so uptight? But like, that's the only way to go about it. More power to you. Yes. Thanks, man. (laughs) Because like, the minute you, you relax about these things, word can get around like that. And your, you know, people think absolutely like, from Chinese whispers, from OER, she doesn't want to contact. It'll go to, Oh, yeah, she's chill. And from chill, it'll go to another Chinese whisper. And then it'll become, yeah, yeah, she'll do anything, man. It's chill. And then from do anything, it'll become, yeah, yeah. she'll compromise. So you don't know where people are connecting what. So it's just really important to uh, be professional, I would say. And sometimes I've lost um, jobs. I've lost roles because I've said no. And, um, you know, I've, uh, and and it's fine. I've lost a lot of money, which I could have, which could have been mine. But for what? Like. I literally sound like I'm selling my body or like selling, you know, and as soon as they talk about something like that, I'm, I'm, out, I'm out. <laughs> like, I'm just like, call you later or never. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. And they, and they kind of know that. And the, the worst part Naren is like on social media and stuff. If I'm at the gym or if I'm, you know, uh, at a jog or if I'm just chilling at a party and, and I'm wearing something short or something, men almost look at it as an invitation to she's fine with, anything i don't know where the connect is correct because it's just bizarre to me but um it is something that uh, that is there and i feel like whatever i wear does not give you any kind of uh, allowance or like any kind of you know permission to, to do anything with me so it's like blaming the blaming the victim when it comes to a rape case They're like oh, what was she wearing like please okay. <laughs> like that's not like, part of the question yeah even if yeah. she was wearing a burka she would have been raped so like correct.
1: Please, correct
0: don't give me that shit so um yeah that's uh, that's one thing like in fact recently i got an email from a fan saying you know um can i have one night with you and this and that i will provide you with comfortable stay and blah blah, blah. i'm just like what has to be in your mind for you to have the guts to send me this like or for you to have the like confidence to think it's okay and i shared it on my instagram uh, story and everyone was just like dude are you kidding like everyone was just like what and i'm and they're like dude report him block him blah blah and then obviously i've tried doing these things but he's using a fake id and this and that and i will you know at one point of time i will like i've taken screenshots of all these things and i've put down all my psycho list i called it (laughs) and (laughs) And all these people are going to face the music sooner or later, you know, maybe, maybe I need to be a bigger deal for when I get these things done, but, but it's really crazy that how people think it's okay, especially after the whole Me Too movement, I don't know how people think it's okay. Like, it's quite freaky. It's quite freaky. But um, as long as you kind of, you know, draw, there are no bloodlines and there are no gray areas and people know, okay. This is what she is in it for. She's not going to do this. Even when it comes to like um, intimate scenes, right? To shoot in, intimate scenes. Like, or if they want you to wear something that you're not comfortable with, just say it. And women are so scared that they lose the role or they lose this or they lose that. I'm just like, if they really want you, they will use you. They will use you for the role. You don't have to be scared about it. You know, Just be confident that they really want you and they'll compromise you on you don't need to compromise but they'll compromise on maybe they'll make the scene a little more comfortable or maybe they'll you know not make you actually kiss the guy or whatever like you you can never say you know because when i had to do an intimate scene the director helped me so much so much because i was so uncomfortable in joseph and i was like i don't know if i can do this and you know like he's married and he has kids and this and that and i just had this weird like guilt and all of that And, and the director was just a gem of a person and he. He's like, if you're uncomfortable, I'll tell all these people to leave, and I'll keep only the cameraman and the director and assistant director here. Okay, is that fine? And I was like, yeah, can you please do that? Because we were shooting in a public canal kind of an area, mm. and uh, he just chucked out like 100 people, <laughs> offset and uh, just to make me comfortable, you know. And uh, I will remember that moment like till the day I die. It was just so life changing. Because when you when you can when you get someone to support you in that fear and in that discomfort and 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 then it comes out well, and then the film does well. You're like, okay, even though I was bearded out about it, it it turned out fine. So you really, you people need to be honest and open, you know, with with how they feel, because you have a right to. And I feel like professionalism is all about that. Like just you have your standards, and it's good to have that standard and stick to those standards, you know, or like make them even higher sometimes. <laughs> but yeah.
1: Wow, yeah, I'm so I'm so impressed with your boldness and and, and the kind of power you bring. I think it's it's so inspira- inspirational, inspirational for Thank so many you. girls who are listening I to this. It. So yeah. many females in even in different um, industries and in different uh, work fields, because what you said is so powerful. And uh, let me know if I can help in any way in uh, addressing sure. the psycho list of yours. I, w- I would love. <laughs> yeah,
0: for sure. To. Yeah. yeah, it'll be amazing. I need some cybercrime. Uh, <laughs> uh, so if you have any contacts yeah yes. definitely definitely need
1: uh, all the help i can get wow uh, one question about um, one more question about acting and then we'll go into um, something that you really do out of your heart as well a special yeah. education but the final question i have for you is some people say especially in india that um, intimate scenes are not necessary you know kissing and all yeah. these things are not necessary in a script uh, no situation makes it necessary for example famous actors like Salman Khan but at the other time other uh, end there are some people who say no it is needed in roles and sometimes you have to yeah. show certain emotions what's your opinion what's your take um,
0: my take is that it's uh, so so you know how there are these stigma like there's a stigma around different topics like homosexuality or like you know racism classism uh, things like that, where Indians just refuse to be open and honest about it. And because most of us do have these things just built up within us. Right? Um, and like these pred- pred- prejudices. Thank you. <laughs> <Quite a dumpster. laughs> so, um, I feel like if a 25, okay, say, uh, say a 20 year old and a 23 year old or a 23 year old, or 25 year old are dating in real life. They are, definitely going to be some level of physical and 100% they would have kissed each other and that's the reality of it that's the reality of it maybe it's changed over time and you know maybe people have become more physical over time but it is the reality of it and I feel like films will be relatable only when they're actually showing reality so I'm not saying oh sleep with everybody while you're on set that's not what I'm saying but I'm saying that show people that this is the real thing and And people will relate to it, right? If they know, Oh my God, I was in this position or like, Oh my God, you know, I knew someone who was in this position. There's so much more value in what, what they're watching because it's so relatable. Like the best comedians are the relatable ones. People who talk about general common happenings, you know? So I feel like it's, uh, it's important to show it, but you do we don't need to overdo it because that shouldn't become the most important part of the film or that shouldn't become, Oh, you know, you should watch this film because of that. Like, you know, it's, It's definitely, it should be there, but it shouldn't be the crux of it is what I think because reality and relatability is is so, so, so important, like to the viewers, you know. Yeah.
1: That's an awesome perspective. That's an awesome perspective. Well, um, Madhuri, moving on with the the second kind of topic I want to touch upon. Mm -hmm. Um, You're a special educator. I mean, that's so unique. You're an actor. How does special education just uh, come into play um, and in your life?
0: So actually, acting came in way after special education, to be honest. <laughs> so uh, it, it was just always this passion of mine. And um, I used to volunteer with an NGO called UNI. Um, you should check them out, whoever's listening. Uh, they have volunteers all over India in, I think, about 10 cities now. And uh, they provide tuitions for underprivileged children, for slum kids, for orphan children, for, you know, different kinds of kids who need help. And uh, they're doing some amazing work. So... Um, shout out to them, but I started with my special education because of them and I'd forever be grateful. So I started volunteering with them and I started taking care of these, uh, 85 mentally challenged boys, um, in a government home who were kind of, uh, abandoned by their families and, um, you know, not, didn't have people to kind of take care of them. And, um, I have five brothers. I don't know if I mentioned, but I have five brothers wow. and I've, I've kind of grown up around boys of all ages. <laughs> so, and they have friends, and you know, I've never had sisters. So, doing this and volunteering in this home uh, was just something that was so close to my heart and was something that literally changed me forever. You know, it, it made me feel like, what was I doing before this? Like, what was I even doing with my life before this? You know, and uh, it was just some Sundays, but I did it for about five and a half, six years. Just on wow. Sundays for three hours. For three hours, sorry, three hours on Sundays, once a week, where we go and we take care of these kids, a bunch of volunteers, and we would. I would take care of the profoundly challenged kids who were like younger than mental age of three when their like physical age is like sixteen to eighteen, and um, it it really kind of shows you. Um, the selfish motive would be that you know it makes you feel so blessed as a person because you you have all your senses and your organs and everything intact, uh, but but that's the selfish bit. But I'm talking about when it comes to the affection that they need and how little they need from you to be happy, how little they really need for you to be happy, for them to be happy is is when you realize the kind of difference you can actually make in this world. You know, because our wants are so big and so fancy and like, oh, oh I want to read this kind of a person to marry. Oh, I want only this kind of person to like be with. Oh, you know, this and that I want to need this food and this clothes. But when you look at someone who's made from the same flesh and bones as you, you're like, "Hey, this just puts everything into perspective." Because you're like, they literally need this much to make them happy. They just need a hug. They need some food. They need you to dance with them, and and they're fine, you know. And that's the simplicity of someone with special needs, like someone with with uh, someone who who has something wrong with their brain or development or behavior. They are not focusing on stupid. Things that we are—they're focusing on just the basics, right? And and that's where we've gone wrong as a as as a humanity, as as mankind. That's where we've gone wrong. Our basics are all just shoved under the carpet, you know. Where while we move up, we forget about all our basics, like just love, care, concern, sharing, things like that. Like you literally in that home, there were mentally challenged boys who were of mental age like eight or nine, helping mentally challenged boys who are like of mental ages, zero to three, and helping them poop, helping them pee, helping them like, do, you know, cleaning them, feeding them, things like that. And both are on the spectrum. Both are special needs. Both are, both are mentally challenged. And you're like, if they can do that, like, what am I doing with my life? You know, like, it just really puts things into perspective. I mean, I can go on about this, but so that's when I was like, okay, This And I and I had a comfort, you know, I had a comfort with these special needs children, like we children who have special needs. Like I didn't feel uncomfortable, even if they like groped my boob or like if they, you know, touched me inappropriately or they like, you know, drooled on me or like peed on me or something. I would not have that discomfort, maybe because I have four younger brothers, one older brother, like just being comfortable with changing diapers, things that I've already done before. But also it's just... I've never been happier, you know, like just that, that kind of fulfillment and that happiness that that gave me, like it's unparalleled, which is why when I started acting, I did not give that up. I was like, okay, the acting makes me happy too, but it's a different kind of happy. And I'm going to use that money to, to fuel this, you know, <laughs> like, wow. this is where, this is where like, you feel like you, you're in this world for some, something more important than yourself, you know? it's just I don't know how to explain it but yeah so then that's when I was like okay let's do it professionally because I was that comfortable like even when my family and friends came over I would keep taking everyone because I was like this and this is my heaven on earth you know I need you to come and see these kids and like see who the most important people are in my life right now so I would take people and and when they saw me comfortable with the kids they'd be like dude you should do this or like you know my parents would be like you should do this and um I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about this small incident. You can take it out of, out of the podcast if you want. But um, there was this one incident where my dad was leaving church. Okay. Like he, he goes to a church close by at home and uh, he was leaving church. And um, he, while he was coming out of church, he, he, there was this guy uh, from, okay, I'll tell you from where later, but he, there was this guy just talking to people who had just left the church outside the gate and asking them like doing this and asking for, food or money saying book book lagi, lagi hai he kept saying that and my dad would usually just come out of the gate and walk home but he came out and he saw this guy talking to a few other people and then those people were like you know when you just ignore vagabonds and you're just like yeah, yeah. you know by talking like can you just oh my god and yeah. my my dad went to him and my dad's just such a he's just such a selfless person he's he's amazing anyway but he 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 brought him home okay he brought this guy home He he, he literally walked him home and then he realized that there was something wrong with this guy and he couldn't actually uh, speak properly. Like he was just saying book, book, but then he was not able to construct sentences properly. Then my dad was like, Okay, but if he's saying book, he knows a little bit of Hindi, wonder where he's from and this and that. And he was very unkempt and very kind of just not, he looked like he hadn't changed his clothes for weeks. Okay. And my dad uh, said, Okay, book, like, yeah, okay. And he brought him home and my dad just came upstairs telling him stay here, I'll go get my wallet and come. Just stay here, okay? Like he made him stay like right next to the door, went to get the wallet and come and he came outside and the guy was gone. He didn't know where he went. So then my dad went downstairs and he was like looking out around in the streets like where's he, where's he, where's he? And then he finally found him like near some car trying to find food. Like this guy was searching for food somewhere and it was really sad. So my dad took him to uh, like one of these sagas, these soup sagas or something and fed him, uh, I mean gave him dosa. But he didn't know how to eat, Naren. He didn't know how to eat. The plate was here. And he's just looking at it and he's starving. And he's like putting his head forward and he didn't know how to eat. So my dad's like, okay. And my dad fed him the whole thing. And just heartbreaking story. And my, and my dad brought him back home after eating. So he's still hungry after one dosa. I think he hadn't eaten for weeks. So my dad gave him another dosa. And then uh, he's like, ha, abhi, take care something. He said like in some half-broken Hindi. And my dad brought him back home and said, okay, you know, this was way before I woke up in the morning. Because my dad goes to the church early in the morning. And um, I was so thankful that he went to church that day. Anyway, uh, so he woke me up and he's like, Mark, I, I think this boy has some kind of special needs. And uh, he has some kind of, uh, he's definitely mentally challenged because he can't speak about your your professional at it. I mean, I hadn't started my master's then, but I, I was doing this voluntary thing, you know, like on Sundays. And he's like, uh, and, I, and my dad had been to the home. So uh, my dad was like, okay, can you, he's very similar to the boys in your home. So can you just like see what he wants? I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know how to talk to him and, then I just took him into the living room. I took him, he needed to pee. I took him to the bathroom, finished all that, made him sit down. He was very like, um, you know, he was very um, distressed and, and very restless. So I, made, I did some art therapy, put, put on some music for him and I just made him kind of calm down and then he slept a bit on the, car, on the carpet. And he was like 24 years old, not a small guy. And my dad just sat and watched. He, like He didn't go to work that day, just sat and watched. And that's when he realized, and I thank God of whoever, like the universe, that my dad could see that because I had to shift from architecture to, to special ed at one point of time, right? This is uh, about a year after this incident or half, half a year after this incident. And my dad saw me doing all of this and kind of really being comfortable with him and just, you know, dealing with him in such a way that I knew what to do. Taking so care then, of him, yeah. Yeah, and my dad was like, okay, you know, now I understand that. Cause so then then that conversation happened six months later where I was like, you know, I really want to uh, do a master's and I found this course uh, where it's a distance learning course and I can, you know, do acting and other things as well, but can I please do this course and I don't want to do architecture anymore. Like I've never felt this kind of fulfillment when I work in an architectural firm and my dad's like, are you sure, you know, you've done five years of architecture and everything and then he was like, actually, I remember that incident where, you know, you look, after that boy and like I feel like you are cut out for this and that's when so there was almost like a reason for why that incident happened and finally we put him in a rehabilitation home just to complete the story in case they're like does he live with you now <laughs> 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 no, my dad, we sent him to a rehabilitation center like in the outskirts of Bangalore. but um, he's, he's doing well and what had happened was we found out later that he, um, he was from Hyderabad and uh, he got beaten up really badly at home and he threw him out of his house And uh, when he got beaten up was when his uh, brain damage happened. And so he knew a lot of things, but at the same time, he couldn't say them and couldn't remember them because he had gotten really badly, uh, you know, his brain damage. Yeah. And he had got onto a train and just randomly reached Bangalore out of nowhere, like just reached Bangalore. and He was just roaming the streets of Bangalore for a while and people were just ignoring him. So I can't even imagine how long he was hungry for. But thank God for my dad in that situation. And, and thank God this happened. And he's doing really, really well right now. And he's, I think he's doing some work, uh, vocational training and stuff in this home. And uh, I don't know. So they, they were, we sent him to this home where they sometimes uh, reunite their families with the, with the people and things like that. So I don't know if he wants to be reunited with them. But yeah, we, we've left it to them. So that's what happened. And that incident really helped my dad understand why I wanted to do this master's. And, and finally, I did it. And it was a two and a half year course and yeah so I did um, my special education because of this NGO this incident and just like you know as I when I was young I had this magnetic attraction towards um, anyone who was not normal like who was uh, maybe that's why I've dated some really weird people <laughs> no I'm kidding I'm kidding I'm kidding if any expert does listen, I'm sorry guys no but <laughs> I'm, I, yeah jokes aside it's uh it, it's been something that I'm are going to take with me to the grave and I'm wow. going to do it for however long I have my senses and organs for because <laughs> wow. it's just, there are not enough special educators you know so many people who are therapists and like counselors and stuff are not actually or people who are dealing with special needs uh, they're not actually haven't studied it they've studied psychiatry or psychology or they're voluntarily doing it because it's you know so I was like okay we need people who study these disorders and like who know right. how exactly. to address it yeah yeah, yeah exactly so so that's when uh, that's when I decided to do it, and yeah, that after that I started doing it professionally, and now I take music therapy classes. So it's it's awesome.
1: Yeah, that's that's a beautiful, beautiful story, and what a story! Like, uh, and it brings forth how you really discovered this thing that's deep in your heart. I want to touch upon a couple of things you said. You, you talked about how you did art therapy mm-hmm. to the to the gentleman who was there, and who you guys yeah. helped, your father helped, yeah. um, and you just now mentioned music therapy. So yeah. tell me about and I know you're a very talented musician. I mean, I've heard your
0: singing <laughs> you singing in uh, your I videos. Haven't, yeah, I haven't sung professionally in a long time. Rajas taken over. My <laughs> brother, <laughs> yeah.
1: But like, so how do you combine uh, music therapy with special education? Um, how does that play together?
0: Yeah. So um, basically I did my dissertation on the influence of music on social and emotional behavior. That was the topic of my dissertation. Wow. So because I'll tell you why. I've been a musician for longer than I've been anything else. I've also been a, just a generally confused human being who does too many things. But <laughs> I'm, when I, so like, while I was a musician, and like, I mean, I've been rather, and I still am, I've noticed that music can elevate a mood. It can really make you cry. It can, like, if you're going through a bad time and you listen to a sad song, you'll just be like in a pool full of your tears and it can also just uplift you make you dance and just move and like you know when you're working out or if you're running you're listening to some music just get motivated beats rhythm like your body just has this rhythm within it you know like when you walk if there's a beat or or something in the background you start walking to that rhythm it's just a bodily rhythm that we have and each person has it dancers have it even stronger than others. Like I'm not a very good dancer myself, but I've gone for a few classes here and there just yeah. to save my soul. But uh, uh, but it, it is something that I've noticed which can actually transform people. Music, like without music, we'd be in a dead world, like literally a dead world, right? So um, like, just think about it. Like when, when you're celebrating, you play music. When there's a funeral, there's music. When you're praying, they sing it. You know, when you're getting married, there's music, like, any any big thing will have music and it's wow. just something that is so It it's from the time you're born like when you're in the womb your auditory uh, senses develop very early on so you can hear like you can sure. hear things that are happening outside the womb you can hear beats. you can hear you know so it I, I mean this is all after doing research because of my dissertation but um That's when I was like, okay, you know, let's use music because this is something that I love. So how do I bring together something I love to help somebody else? And I brought uh, music therapy into after my dissertation and it's done wonders. Like I've had parents come come to me in tears and been like, you know, my son or my daughter has not responded in like one and a half years, you know, and after your class, he's just jumping all over the place and he's happy and he's this and that. And that's when you that that's when you realize that if this can change one person it can definitely change more people so uh, then I started doing group classes where I used to do uh, drama expression and musical theater with special needs children so even kids who have like cerebral palsy and they're like on a wheelchair right and they can't really move but the thing is I'm a very animated person as you can see while I'm talking so it helps with the with music and expression and stuff like that it's all kind of intertwined at least my life is connected in some way uh, like the acting and the expressions and everything also like kind of come into play when I'm Connect. talking to, a, I'm talking to a, a child and I'm storytelling and I'm like, you know, and my eyes are like in their face, <laughs> making them like alive. So it, um, music therapy it can be used like even with um uh, people who have dementia, Alzheimer's, memory issues, you know, if you can find out what music they liked from when they were kids to bring back certain memory, uh, n- you know, neurons, nerves that are connecting certain childhood memories just to improve on their memory things like that it's just never ending like things like even rhythm like right? you can teach math through music how did we learn the alphabet through music huh. right huh. So the most basic things like old macdonald had a pump. and then you learn like what does the cow say what does the dog say like you learn these things through music they don't teach us like on a board cow says moo like you're going to learn it through a song you know and most of the things we've learned as kids is through music so it's, it just goes to show that, like, music can, yeah, it can. You just blew my
1: mind with that, by the way.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, I feel like only I'm talking in this whole thing. Blow my mind also with something. Come on.
1: <laughs> uh, I No, 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 you, you, you're doing too good of a job. I don't want to spoil it with. With my insights.
0: <laughs> no, um, but uh, yeah, podcasts, we're supposed to be having an equal yeah. conversation. <laughs> but yeah, no, so, so that's what I do with music therapy. I try and find ways to to teach them. Like right now I have a student um, who's not even here. I do a, a Zoom call. Uh, she's in another country and um, and she has anxiety and depression and we're just using music to help her feel better, you know, to, and we're doing songs together and we're like, she's writing music. It's almost like a vent for expression and dealing with your feelings and, it's awesome it's awesome music and really, and a lot of people feel oh i don't know enough to do this i don't know enough to teach this but you learn on the job honestly you learn on the job Like, and you keep you keep doing it and you keep learning and yeah the more you learn the better you can teach and yeah i guess that's that's wow cool. that's how it is yeah
1: madhuri i have a question for you now uh-huh. it seems like you do so many things mm-hmm. and um from our interactions from the posts i see um, you keep yourself really up. I would say you're a really optimistic, positive, high energy person. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody who knows how to make fun of criticism, uh, and you're kind of famous for that, right? Your funny <laughs> tweets and be bold. Okay. Yeah. How? What? What's your secret? What's the secret behind this positive, good, high flowing energy? Mm-hmm. Balancing so many things. What makes it tick for you? What do you do that really yes. drives you? Is it is it your spiritual yes. yeah. uh, leaning? Do you pray? What, what's that secret? Tell us.
0: Yeah. Um, so let's just say that I do. Let's start off by saying that I do have my bad days. I do have my low days. I'm an extremely emotional person. I ask a lot of questions. Okay. Now, having said that, um, I try and keep my social media more positive than negative because there's enough of negative bullshit out there. Oh, so true. Enough, enough. Like, everywhere I go, oh, somebody committed suicide. Sushant Singh Rajput. And I'm just like, every day, like, there's just racism, oh, Black Lives Matter, this, the previous day, Corona, previous day, CAA, NRC. It's just like, it's been a shit show this 2020. But, uh, I've noticed that the, the more you, like you said, where your energy flows, right? So, I Okay, so I try and keep everything positive as much as possible and I try not to focus on the negative. I do read negative things and if it's something that's really important like the Black Lives Matter campaign, I did share it and I, did have, I had to share some graphic videos and things like that. But I also keep in mind that there's a whole range of ages that follow me and I have a social responsibility to kind of not mess up someone's head um, if they're young or if they're old And at the same time, there's this other part of my mind which says, okay, so if people constantly see that you're doing such good things or you're doing fun things and they're not, that also may make them feel like, oh, you know, maybe my life's not as cool or this and that. So I try and keep it real more than than optimistic and positive. I try and keep it real, you know, keep it like, yeah, I had a shitty day today, but let's play a game or, you know, let's, let's. Yeah, we all, everyone's fighting their own battles. Everyone's going through a shitty time, you know, especially this year. And lockdown, I've, I've, I've had some major fights with my brothers like during this lockdown period. Where you, you, it gets to you, right? When you, I'm so used to going out, shooting, teaching, doing this and that. And like, I just have to be at home and like with family. I'm blessed to have a huge family, but it's still, you, you, it gets to you. But the one thing that helps me just stay positive and stay um, up with my energy is number one, meditation. Like, I just shut off my mind, my mouth. <laughs> I wish I could shut my nose out. But <laughs> also sometimes I'll put earplugs. But I just keep quiet for like 15 minutes in the day. And I'm wow. just like, be thankful, you know, be grateful. Like, gratefulness is this, this huge driving force for me, man. Yes, right? Like, high five. Okay. Um, It's this huge, like, it's just this thing where everything that you have, is is a gift. Everything you have, whether it's a talent, whether it's something you wear, whether it's like anything, right? It's a gift. It's literally a gift. You're lucky to be where you are. And some sometimes people kept complaining, no, oh, but I want to be in New York. I mean, like people are dying right now in New York. So please be happy that you're not there. So there's always a reason. There's always a silver lining every cloud, you know? So um, gratefulness, meditation, and the third thing which has transformed my life is working out and fitness. It's, it's, The endorphins are real, man. It's freaking real, okay? Like, I can have a terrible day, but just go get some sun, do a run, even if it's on the terrace, do some exercises, sweat it out. And, and I can feel better, you know, just there are times when I do get really depressed, I can't get out of bed. I'm like, why do I feel like this? Usually it's like before that time of the month where I'm like, oh, so that's why I was feeling like that day before yesterday. But it's, um, I've learned to deal with it and I've learned to accept the bad days and be like, you know, it's fine. Like without the lows, you can't feel the highs and without the bad, you can't feel the good, I guess. But um, gratefulness, meditation, working out, transformational. Wow. yeah wow. and and gratefulness is something you know honestly like recently I've been posting a lot of like hashtag gratefulness or hashtag gratitude and I've got like people from all over the world get in touch with me like just someone from Australia or someone from New Zealand just texting me saying hey I saw your post about gratefulness I mean yeah, about gratitude and I just wanted to know if everything's all right, and if you're cool, and if you're happy, and how are you during this COVID time, and it's just so nice. Social media can do that; it can connect grateful people to other grateful people, (laughs) which is what we need, you know. And um, I feel like we should really use uh, the things that are close to us. to kind of um, like gratefulness has always been something that uh, I feel like I am where I am even if it's I'm not such a big actor and everything like I'm I still love every single moment of my acting career I still love everything that I do you know with teaching and singing and all of that I feel like it's gratitude that's uh, that's kind of brought me where I am I was really religious at one point of time um I'm not that like religious right now uh, I'm still like on this journey where I'm my, my parents are really religious and I've been brought up in a catholic household and uh, I, i'm on my journey where you know reading a lot about different things and yeah how religion is you know man-made and this and that It makes you it just it puts you on this other uh i mean right. with all due respect to everyone who's religious and um everybody ha- it, it's auto- it's honestly like a way to deal with life everybody has different yeah. ways to deal yeah. with life so um and have you' on a journey of
1: self-discovery and self-evolution when it comes to that aspect
0: exactly exactly mm-hmm. yeah so that that's that's um. That's what
1: helps me keep <laughs> keep my up. Meditation, the magic pill of gratitude. That's what I call it. And yeah. working out, endorphins.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, really cool.
1: Yeah. Madhuri, one one final question. One uh-huh. final question for uh-huh. our today's conversation. It's been amazing. It has. If if someone asks me to describe you uh, in two uh-huh. words, I would say I would say honest and humble. Like both H's. And here's here's the reason why. Like even through this conversation. Uh, you're an actor, but you've been so honest about everything, like the details that you share, uh, or your Instagram. You're so honest about everything, uh, even in public. Uh, that's very bold, I would say. And humble, The yeah. hum- humble yeah. being, but even when I asked you for this podcast, I mean, you're somebody uh, who's a celebrity, uh, who has so many things going on, but you were still so chill to contact and uh, get you on board to do the podcast or even whenever I get to speak to you. Um, and the way you manage your social media and profile, h- how does that work? Uh, what what keeps you humble? Is it the upbringing that you've had? Because I would actually say, this is not to flatter you, but I would say that's uh, that's very rare. That's rare for somebody who's gained so much success at the age you have, like 29. H- how does that work? And please don't be humble about it. Please let us know. How does that <laughs> work? How, how, how does honesty? Let's go okay. Um, so there
0: is, there's a lot to say here, but... um the one most important thing I'd want to touch upon is the fact that learning can't happen if you're not humble and I am someone who's like I said right in the beginning of this podcast that I I ask a lot of questions and I want to know you know all my doubts (laughs) like I want to clear them but more than that like I want to learn and I want to become better and I want to literally leave something behind when I'm gone and my films will be there even after I'm gone but I'm saying even otherwise, just the people who I interact with, I just want to be able to touch their lives and kind of not, not because, Oh, like I will get the, but just because like you have that chance and you have that opportunity to, to make a great moment, right. To make, make a memorable moment with that person. Like for example, how that, that incident happened with my dad, if he didn't stop and take that kid, bring that kid home, this, uh, this beautiful story wouldn't even exist right now. So, i'm saying when you have an opportunity uh, whether it's to learn or whether it's to interact if you're not humble you're not going to use that opportunity to its fullest like like that's that's just the that's the simplest way to express it but okay another way i could say it is that like if you're not humble you're not gonna take these learning lessons and actually implement them in your life because you're gonna think okay i'm I'm already cool and I'm already amazing. Like, I don't need these lessons. Like, I already know everything, right? So, that's the end of learning. That's the end of progress. That's the end of success. Like, it's literally the end of the road, you know? So, I feel like another thing is everyone, like I said, is made from the same flesh and bones. Like, and, and that's what acting taught me. Like, when people started, like, being in awe of you or started you know, when people like message you saying, I love you. And, you know, I just want one chance to meet you. I just want one picture. Can you just send a happy birthday for my best friend? Okay. And then you realize, like, I've been the exact same person before films and after films. I've been the exact same person. So why the pride? Why? What has changed? Like, nothing has changed. Like, I had what I had. I had the same family, the same friends, the same color, the same, like, body, the same skin, the same brain. So just because I've become an actor, it doesn't mean that I've, I've become anything cooler than what I was. Like I'm still the exact same person. It's just that more people have seen me now on screen. So, you know what I mean? Like, it, I don't know. It's it's, it's it's a lot of thinking. It's a lot of, and, yeah, it, it's, it's funny. It, it's weird to try and keep myself uh, grounded, but it's literally taught me everything, you know, that I know. Because, the minute you're open and you're you're like yeah, time to grow, and you grow from a seed, like the smallest thing that exists, right? Like you're literally, and when you look at the number of people in this world, you're literally a speck, you're literally a speck in the freaking ocean, like in the world, like. So why why be proud? Like you're as valuable as anybody else, right? Like it's just that's that's the only way that I can, yeah. Um, maybe I should be more succinct and like <laughs> try and explain it better, but. It's just, I feel like everyone's made from the same flesh and bones and uh, what you have or what you've inherited or what you, you know, just because more people are viewing your work or shouldn't really change who you are. Like, um, and I think from, like from the, this is something that I learned in Sri Lanka, I can just share this uh, lesson with you. But um, in India, we have so many different languages, right? And uh, they sometimes say, "Oh, only one class of people—the local class of people—do not speak English." All this rubbish, right? In Sri Lanka, everyone speaks Sinhalese, and that's the most—that's the case in most countries, right? From from uh, say like a vagabond on the road to like a, a multimillionaire millionaire who speak the same language, and uh, that's brought them so much closer as a community and as a as a people and a culture it's made them so much more humane, you know, like I was there for a year, like six months uh, as an architect uh, intern and six months as a special educator. And um, I love Sri Lanka, but uh, it it just makes you think, okay, India has kind of segregated us unnecessarily and just made, given us all these weird prejudices and biases, which are actually not there. (laughs) They don't They're not supposed to exist, you know. Um, Like, I don't know it it just I think language is something that has taught me uh, a lot about community and and just you know how we're all, all the same in a way like and how we all should be the same so this is something that I definitely learned in Sri Lanka like I would just yeah and from the time I'm, I've been young I've always spoken to everybody the same way even in school people be like yeah you talk to everyone the same way like how do we know who's close to you and who's not close to you I'm like <laughs> I'm just saying what I want to say you know <laughs> I'm just being honest, like even like my best friend right now, India, like I met her through a random conversation, which we had uh, in architecture college, like in the first semester of architecture college, where she just felt like I was approachable and she just came and spoke to me. And that's all it takes to build beautiful relationships, you know, and, and, and I, we cracked some jokes and we just spoke and she is the most approachable human being on the planet. I'm surprised I didn't go talk to her first, but you know, that's how, that's how we became best friends because because when you when you talk to everyone the same way treat everyone the same way I think uh, I think it's beautiful and I think that's how everyone should be honestly it's tough for for someone who's doing like say for Priyanka Chopra or someone or for like Deepika Parukon. but uh, I hope I never change if I ever become half as big as them I hope I never change yeah and I really will keep trying will keep trying it's challenging though
1: I, I think it's really amazing how self-aware you are about all these things and uh I, I see you operate with that um Thanks. so that's 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 amazing madri it's been it's been nothing but a treat to be interacting with you yeah, uh, for the awesome past fun. hour or so thank you very today. much
0: i'm gonna make a podcast and i'm gonna make you come on my show and i'm gonna make only see <laughs> you talk okay just two weeks
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny um yeah. madri Thank you so much for being on the show. I wish you you nothing but success and happiness. I think your voice deserves to be even louder with all the cool things (laughs) that you have to say. But before I let you go, I have a question for you. And the question Uh is, do you have any questions for me?
0: Oh my gosh. I do. I do, in fact. Um, So how did you start this podcast and why?
1: So the biggest reason I started this podcast, Madhuri, is I wanted to get people's perspectives on life. I feel there's something called life and we all live in it. There's something called this world. We all live in it, but everybody has their own colored dark glasses. And you know, these colors are not just the seven colors, but very, very, very multi-dimensional mm-hmm. colors. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the most beautiful things for me is to interact with people and get to see the world from their colors, from their perspective and mm-hmm. their eyes. And so I decided, you know what, I want to have a podcast where I invite people and get to learn about life and the world through their eyes and their lenses. And that was the biggest reason why I started this podcast. Um, And that's the biggest reason I'm doing this.
0: Wow. Okay. Just to, yeah, to get, get a glimpse of, uh, what other people's, um, notions and opinions and like culture is. Yeah. I guess that's awesome. That's, that's something like travel almost like you're traveling into somebody else's mind. Yes. Like, like you go into another country and see the culture and see, yeah. Still cool.
1: travel. It's so
0: awesome. like
1: I would be doing the same thing, even if this was not recorded, I would still like, if I happen to have a chance to talk to you, I would be asking the same question. I'd be doing the yeah. same thing awesome and that's, awesome. That, that's just something I so would like yeah.
0: now you're just putting it out there for other people as well like exactly. yeah that's awesome just sharing it for, for everyone else that's awesome and yeah I hope I hope your podcast is really well I'll promote the shit out of it not only because I'm on it <laughs> but uh, I really wish you wish you good luck for your podcast and for everything else you do even you're like doing some multi-million things <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah good luck and uh, that's awesome that you're doing doing this and i hope you get some really cool people uh, to talk talk to you
1: what <laughs> a treat it's been amazing to have you miss yeah. mandari briganza on the show
0: <laughs> thank you very thank you, much Mareen, on the anireen agarwal show <laughs> <laughs>